And as the weekend rolls over, we find ourselves wide awake on a brilliant, fantastic Monday morning. Everyone, uh, Monday means a few things, but most notably, uh, well, you know what it is. My name is John. Here is my thing. And this is the Monday Morning Commute Podcast, episode three. Episode three. How do we feel about the number three? Never, I've never been the number three in any sport, but I was just asked by someone recently, if I could be any number, what would I be? And three was not one of them. We were watching the World Cup, and I have to say, honestly, uh, the the number choices amongst players, I don't know if they have a choice of any number, but it's, it's kind of weak and it's getting repetitive. Why does everyone, why, like, why is 10 the sickest number? Why does everyone want to be seven? Why, seven? I mean, it's, it's, it's really the Michael Jordan effect, right? Everyone wants to be 23. It, it, it's the following the leader effect. When is there going to be a soccer player to wear the number 76? When and where and who and why? And I know in Italy, right, they'll have uh, professionals will have a number and then no one in the academy programs can wear it or something like that. So you'll, you'll see like 17-year-olds running around with the number 48 playing soccer, which is absolutely fantastic. Why is that not a thing? Why, why are we seeing our youth grow up wearing the number five, wearing the number eight, nine? I mean, I get it; it's a favorite number. But honestly, if I was playing, if I was playing professional soccer on the world stage, I would have three numbers I'd want to wear, and they would be in no particular order: forty-seven, sixty-six, or, mm, mm, I mean, I don't want to say twenty-seven, but. Uh, 55. I don't know any notable athletes. In, in the soccer realm, obviously football, you know, the line and stuff, but I don't know any notable athletes with that high of a number. I don't. And I'm, 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 I'm honestly doing my best to think, but I can't think of any. Imagine Neymar wearing number 66. Ronaldo wearing number 47. A Lionel Messi, 55. That would throw a lot of people off. I feel like if you're an elite player, you're expected to have a number... Um, Mm, I think you're expected to have a number in somewhere in the top 10. 11, 11 and under. It's, we, why do we cap it at 11, too? Neymar's 11, I think, on the national team. So I might, even get, I might be getting my numbers mixed up, but that's beside the point. The point being, uh, it, it, when you sign your contract, is there something written in fine print that says, uh, I have to be on a number that is you know, 11 and under? If you're an elite player, if you make this amount of money, you cannot have a number. And if, there, if that's a rule, um, interesting. Don't know why that's a rule, but fascinating. And, you know, like I said, I really only bring up this topic because um, arguably uh, the greatest event, the greatest spectacle outside of athletics, right? Forget, forget just athletics. Let's open up the entire conversation as an event, as a world event, the World Cup is one of the most magnificent gatherings of human beings. I really think so. Where for 90 minutes, sometimes upwards of 1 billion people will lock eyes on a TV screen following a ball around a field with 22 men running around sweaty and chasing that ball like their life depends on it. And there's something beautiful in that. There really is. I think, what was it, the, the Spain versus Netherlands final... In 2010, I think it reached like 1.1 billion people worldwide. That's just, that's insane. That is so cool. That is fantastic. And there's something brilliant about that. And look, the games, you know, you see some nations that aren't necessarily the biggest, right? But there's always drama. There's always passion. 
And I, and I genuinely believe it's the sold-out stadiums, it's the chanting, it's the culture each country brings in when they fill those seats, when they yell nonstop for the entire game, going crazy over a goal, crying, right? We, I mean, I just saw Mexico and Germany play an epic contest. Hats off to Mexico. 1-0 win. Uh, and seeing the emotions on the field afterward, Chicharito crying, right? Uh, I, and I think, it, I, I think I saw somewhere that uh, in... Mexico City, I don't know where it was exactly, but uh, when uh, they scored that first goal, I want to say 35th minute, um, there was seismic readings on whatever reads seismic activity from their cheering, which is unbelievable. That is so cool. It's like uh, when Marshawn Lynch went on the run, beast mode run, where he earned that name beast mode. Seattle goes crazy. That stuff is so cool. So it really, it really is, I think the World Cup, everyone immediately looks at it as a... Um, a soccer tournament. It, it, it is a soccer tournament, but I really don't want to leave it to that. It's a cultural phenomenon. It's gathering of people. It's camaraderie at its finest. It is. And it's so much easier to obviously stay in touch and, and follow up uh, in our world of social media. And I only think that strengthens the camaraderie, right? The United States, it's funny, every four years, um, the average citizen decides to care about soccer for about two weeks, about two weeks, guaranteed some, some, some good caring, right? Um, it's funny, it's not happening this year, and I wondered why. Well, it's because the U.S. isn't in the tournament. Mm, let's, take a st- let's take a step back real quick. I don't know if I'm seeing less coverage. I don't know if I'm less tuned in. But the hype isn't the same over here. I, I, I'm speaking this from the United States, and that's, and that's to be expected. That's to be expected. I'm not saying everyone is like that. There's obviously people who are diehard fans. There's obviously people who don't even watch at all. But for the most part, there's peaked interest. And I'd like to think, you know, the sport is growing in the United States, which it is. But nonetheless, I mean, we have the NBA, we have the MLB, NHL. Uh, and, and, and when they win that sport, right, let's say it's the NFL, you're crowned Super Bowl champions. Therefore, you're crowned a world champion, apparently. Um... And I'm going to be honest, that is not true whatsoever. That is not true. There are very few events in the world where you can be crowned a world champion. And as far as I'm concerned, you cannot be crowned a world champion if you only play games with teams in your country. Which makes this event that much more great. It just makes it bigger, right? If, if you have a team from a certain city playing another team for a certain city, that is a national championship. Essentially, if you, it's the final two teams in the league where you have those cities and you know other kind of bandwagon fans rooting for them. In the World Cup in these events, you literally have nations pulling behind you, backing their team, coming together as one, united. That's a world championship. And I think that's, that's one of the reasons it's so intriguing, this World Cup. When you really boil it down to it, it's not just 11 players on the field going for the title. Millions, man. Or Iceland. I don't know, what's Iceland have? Like 200,000 people and they just tied Argentina? I don't know. It's exciting. And the storylines are fantastic. Hairstyles are great. New cleats coming out. Uh, the jerseys, I'm into it. Let's see what happens. But, I, but if anything, you know, get, get your sound systems right because it's the screaming. It's the chanting of fans that really, I don't know, gets my adrenaline pumping. Nonetheless... I feel like, well, and, and I, I also think like the World Cup, it's a platform for people to learn more about soccer. With that, conversation starter, right? 
I would like to think you could put that as an icebreaker. I'd like to think you could say talking about the World Cup is an icebreaker. I don't know, honestly. I, it's funny. I, I feel like lately I've just really lost. I don't even know if I ever had an icebreaking skill. I'm not sure if I've actually been good at it. I think it's just kind of a small talk and then you have a random you know, breakthrough moment where you learn someone likes something and you can run with that for an hour. I do think icebreakers should always be kept in the back pocket. Never know when things are going to go south when you meet someone for the first time. With that being said, I had this, I had an epiphany the other day. Uh, I feel like when I was younger, if I met someone new, uh, I was able to remember their name. Not a big deal at all. If anything, it was embarrassing if I didn't know their name. But I don't know what age it was, maybe 14, 15, something happened. Something happened where I will meet someone, shake their hand, have them say their name, might even ask them to repeat it when I'm shaking their hand. And then the name goes completely out of my head. And every adult I talk to, for the most part, has the exact same issue. So the question becomes apparent. Is this an age issue or are names getting harder to remember? Yeah. Names change. Trends change. Were names easier to remember 10 years ago? I'm, I'm being somewhat completely serious. I don't think my memory has gotten any poorer. If anything, it's improved, because I feel like I still have vivid memories of when I was... Well, for the most part. No, I definitely lose some memories, but I, it's the sheer, like, I can't tell you how many times I've had to say, I apologize, I know we shook hands. What's, what is your name? And I'm being genuine, like, I really... I don't know. I don't know what to do. There's, is, is there a way to approach this? I also think, well, I feel like it's like in school, right? If you're, t- if you're, the, you remember stuff. I feel like I remembered the most from my professor. If there was a lot of emotion behind it or if we did something weird or if he presented the idea in, in an odd way. So I'd, it just kind of stuck in my mind. Like that. Don't, if, I, if I meet someone, am I supposed to, like, should I dance? Should I backflip? Try to backflip? Should I, should I just, drop like an F-bomb in the middle. It's just like, that wasn't, why do you do that? That's not a problem. Like, I don't know what to do. Is there, is there tricks of the trade? Or do I need flashcards? Do I need faces? With fl- like, I almost have so much more respect. I do have a lot more respect for college professors um, that are teaching like three sessions of 200 people. Okay, now I take that back because I don't think they know their names. But like college professors with a class of 40 kids, three times, calling on kids randomly. Or just elementary school teachers. Well, that's repetition with those teachers for sure. But nonetheless, I don't know how I feel about this. Am I worried that my memory is going away? A little bit. A little bit. Uh, Do I think this is going to continue to be an issue? Yes. Especially with more name trends coming and going. And look, I could could do a quick Google search right now. Maybe that's that's what I got to do. Google these terms, see what the issue is, see why this is happening, and then, you know, move from there, right? I mean, failing to prepare... It's preparing to fail. That's the way I should look at it. That's applicable. That is applicable. I heard um, a friend of mine told me a couple of very interesting sayings, right? And I'm, this, I'm just kind of, this is an interesting segue, but failing to prepare, preparing to fail. I believe that was John Wooden, but oh my gosh, she told me something. It was um, better to ask for forgiveness than ask for permission, Interesting. Let's let's break this down. Better to ask for forgiveness. 
than to ask for permission. And one, if anyone's heard that, is that from Tumblr or what's that from? Is that a movie? Is that Pinterest? I, I don't know, but nonetheless, no. I think it is a good quote. Do I 100% agree with it? <clears throat> I don't know. Because I think there are times when it it's probably best we ask permission than ask for forgiveness, right? And the motive of what you're doing is, I think that's true. I mean, look, if it's a spontaneous um, hop the fence, uh, sneak onto the, the stadium field for a little bit, take it in, and then run away and don't get caught, I think that's best to just ask for forgiveness, hypothetically, if you got caught. You know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, like... Like, for example, um, you're in Spain, and security at, you know, Real Madrid Stadium is, is, is minuscule at best for some reason. Uh, you know, you're kind of rolling around. I don't know Spain, never been there, but for some reason, maybe you had one too many espressos, but you and your friend decide, you know, let's, let's go see what the stadium's all about. 90,000 people? I don't believe it. It looks like 40 from out front, right? One fence is hopped, one door is unlocked. Next thing you know, you're literally sharing grass with a man whose net worth has, well, nine times your net worth. Nine, right? A lot of money. Let's just go with that. Run out. If you don't get caught, boom, no harm, no foul. If you do get caught, it's, hey, look, I apologize. We're just a little curious. I think you could pull that card in that situation. Places where I think you should ask permission if you want to take, like, uh, like your mom's Camry out for a spin late at night with no motive, just to drive it. That's you should probably ask for permission. Because I feel like if you if you ask for forgiveness in that, it's almost like why'd you do it in the first place? Like what were we trying to accomplish with a quick joyride late at night sneaking out? I think that's where um, maybe permission is going to be best, right? I mean, obviously, if in a, in case of emergency, take it and then just maybe forgive. I mean, I don't even know if forgiveness is going to be needed in, in a case of emergency. That's just quick thinking on your part. But nonetheless, no, I um we were we were in the car and we were talking about this. We're going to a festival um, downtown and uh, we were talking about these quotes, but nonetheless, no, we parked, we walked to the festival. A lot of free stuff was being handed out. A lot of free stuff at this festival. Most notably, um, does everyone remember for me it was third grade. Uh, for others it might have been fourth, fifth, sixth, you know, some maybe in kindergarten or first grade. But Lance Armstrong dropped the um, Live Strong band, the Yellow Live Strong band. And they became a hot commodity, a hot commodity for anyone in elementary school. And I'd like to say people even older than that. A hot commodity, it really was. And then, you know, next thing you know, a lot of other things are piggybacking off it, right? Everyone all of a sudden has these rubber bands, these rubber, you know, around the wrist. Um, I've got to say... I don't know where those went, but all of a sudden, it must have been a span of mm, six months, or maybe it's when I left that grade that he came obsolete. But then I saw my friend's little brother with a wrist full of these bands the other day, a wrist full of these bands, honestly, which made me kind of run this question back in my head. What happened to these rubber wristbands? I got one, and I honestly, I'm being genuine. I see myself wearing this quite, it literally says Fred Meyer on it. And I don't know. I like this. I, I like this. I don't wear bracelets. I'm not a watch guy. Never been a watch guy. But I'm, but I'm fine wearing. But I'm, but I'm fine wearing a rubber wristband. I. Mm, that's where it's interesting. I would rather wear something that probably cost, I don't know, maybe half a penny to create, 
than a $15,000 Rolex for multiple reasons. One, I don't know. That just sounds like, that sounds like theft waiting to happen with me. I'm not a very intimidating individual. If someone wanted to take a $15,000 Rolex off my wrist, I think, honestly, they could just ask me and I might give it to them. I'm kind of, I don't know. I might be a pushover in that sense. But I don't think anyone would want to take my, my wristband, my rubber wristband off my wrist. I think it's more like, oh, cool, he's that guy. He still wears these rubber wristbands. Oh, you're that guy. But if I have like a rollie on my wrist and you just see me standing there in my plain white Hanes t-shirt, my San Diego's, my San Diego, oh, this, oh my PacSun jeans with the zipper that's broken, so I always have to pull up my zipper. I cuff my pants because I think I'm cool. Black Vans on. Who, 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 who's not going to be intimidated by that? No, no, that Rolex is coming right off my wrist. They, they can just walk up to me. I don't know what they're going to do. Whoever it might be. It could be, it could be an 85-year-old grandmother. If she says it's stern enough, that Rolex is coming off my wrist. But that Rolex will not come off my wrist if that Rolex was a rubber band. If that was a Livestrong band, if it was a Fred Meyer band like this one, uh, if it was just a colored one in general, I don't think anyone else wants that but me. That's the closest thing I've ever had to jewelry in my life, these rubber bands. And I think I'm going to keep it that way. I might keep it that way. I might keep it that way. I know like LeBron James will wear them, I think. And so I think that automatically boosts value maybe, you know, a little more. But I've never been a watch guy. I've never had a watch tan in my life. I've tried it. I've tried the waterproof ones. Um, look, I, if I need the time, I'm going to pull out my phone. And then if I, I'll get the time and then, oh, maybe I missed a text message. Boom, send it right back. That usually is a solid argument, right? Multitask, get a lot of things done if you have the phone. No need to look at the watch. This isn't 1935. No, it's not even 1940. It's not even 1978. This is 2018. That was a good argument until the Apple Watch came out. Because now, instead of reaching into my pocket, fumbling around for a cell phone, I can literally just look at my wrist, see text message calls, the whole shebang. Boom, boom, boom. Efficiency at its finest. I don't know how I compete with that. I don't know how my stance really stacks up in that one, right? Hassle, not anymore. Everything's on my wrist. Do we see eyes drifting away from other eyes? Like, is the Apple Watch a distraction? Yes, but what isn't a distraction in this day and age? I don't know anything that is not distracting. And what even constitutes distracting? Right? If I'm off topic, maybe I'm just focusing on something else if something catches my attention. That, that's all opinion. It's all relative, isn't it? Every, well, I think everything is in the world. It, everything is. Because I think, you know, for the most part, there's usually an argument for everything. Everyone's going to have a side. There's always going to be one person against the other. But in terms of distractions, well, I don't know. Have, have our attention spans decreased? Or all these buzzes from group chats that just kind of get annoying after a while? You know, buzzing up my phone. Are they the ones that my eyes are going away? Well, I mean, you do the math yourself. You do the math yourself. It is a sunny day right now, or the day I'm recording this. So it is Sunday, and it is, it is sunny on Sunday. Ooh, I'm about that. It's a beautiful day. It's going to get real hot up here in the Pacific Northwest, I can tell you that. I think I saw temperatures going to be dancing in the low 90s, which means I will be going to the river soon which means I will also be sweating at night. But hey, that's to be, that is, you know, well, it's expected. Everyone, I hope you, I hope if you're on your commute to work, if you're coming from work, if you're at lunch, or if you're just listening randomly, maybe it's 3 a.m. in your bedroom, I don't know. Hope you enjoyed this quick little podcast. Nonetheless, everyone, it is Monday. Have a fantastic day. Have an absolutely fantastic day. No reason it's not going to be the best day of your life. Everyone, my name is John. 
uh, and you know what it is, here's my thing. Um, and as far as I'm concerned, this podcast, what was your best friend on your Monday morning commute? Till next time.